Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode we cover Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 3, Ghosts of Illyria. Oh, I think the results are in. That is indeed, that sound means. Which one do you want to hear first? First, then best quote that was voted the worst quote of the week was maybe you should try one for yourself you know that was starting to make more sense to me as we were talking about it last week thank you guys for voting we appreciate it yes the exchanges that were possible choices for best quote of the week yes so there was the uhura and spock duet okay and then there was nurse chapel i need to know what's gonna hurt right sometimes they run I was very surprised by the outcome of the voting for the most valuable crew member of the week. Oh, yeah? And the choices were Uhura mm-hmm. or Ortegas. Oh. Ortegas took 100% of the vote. Wow. I, I agree. Well, that was my, my feeling as well. You know, I, I do remember, I think I did vote on one. There was also a backdoor pilot that was, well, there were two backdoor pilots that were proposed last week. If you recall, one was the uh, Uhura and Spock, the Golden Years musical. <laughs> and the other was the uh, Star Trek, Arbiters of Life, where we follow around uh, Mahanit's people and then maybe other Arbiters. You want to take a guess on who won here? I think I think the, uh, the second one. With 100% of the vote, the Uhura and Spock duet, the Golden Ears, has won <laughs> for best backdoor pilot of the week. Okay. The last part of our of our polls last week were was about Mahanit and whether Mahanit was, as you proposed, from the future or not. The outcome of that poll says that the general consensus is that yes, Mahanit is a comet from the future. It was my understanding, though, that it wasn't the entire comet, but the area, that little building there that was surrounding the egg that somehow, you know, while it was traveling through space in the time that it was in the present, had gathered dust and ice around it that it created a comet around it. And then it adjusted its shields to match the exterior of the comet? Potentially, yeah. Okay. So thank you guys for voting in the polls last week. We'll have some up shortly after, well, shortly before the show comes out. We'll get the polls up and then we'll see what's mm-hmm. happening with them. Thanks, guys. Yeah, th- th- thank you for curating that. Uh, I was surprised that a couple of them seemed to get 100% of the vote. They did. And those were non, non-zero and non-over-four like votes. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> it's a high bar, I know. Four, four votes is it? Four votes, because that means at least two people were voting that weren't us. This is true. This is correct. I couldn't be proud. This week brings us Ghost of Illyria. It's the third episode of the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. This episode aired first on May 19th of 2022. It's the 846th episode of all Star Trek episodes. It was written by Akela Cooper and Bill Wolkoff and directed by Leslie Hope. There's a start date that's given right at the beginning of the episode that's 1224.3. The Enterprise is investigating the disappearance of the Illyrian 
colony on Hetemet 9 when a ion storm interrupts their investigation and the away teams are forced to evacuate. Unfortunately, Pike and Spock don't make it to the rendezvous point, missing the Beamont window and forcing them to seek shelter on the surface until the storm passes. Meanwhile, the away team members are falling ill one by one, forcing Dr. Mbega to initiate lockdown procedures. And this is where the story splits off into two distinct stories. They have like similar elements to them, but they're actually two different stories. Mm -hmm. So there's a story that happens on yeah. the planet that's mm -hmm. Pike and Spock investigating what has happened to the Illyrians and then eventually coming to find that the Illyrians have converted into energy and are, you know, more benevolent beings than than they had initially expected when on the planet with the storm approaching. Yeah. I thought it was interesting because Pike keeps on saying that the Eulerians are dead. And I'm like, they're not dead. You guys just figured that out. Up on the ship, a contagion begins to spread from the away team to the rest of the crew. And we find out the contagion is passed on light. And we also learn that the first officer, Una Chen Riley is her last name, is an Illyrian herself. And the Illyrians, we learn, are a genetically modified species that worked to genetically demodify themselves so that they could gain Federation entry, augmentation having been outlawed due to the rise of Kanunian Singh and the augments that tried mm -hmm. to take over the Federation with their red ball caps. You know, I always thought it was interesting that one event out of all the planets in the Federation caused that law to be put into place for the whole Federation. It seems like other planets in the Federation might have had better experiences with augmenting themselves that didn't leave a bitter taste in their mouths. Well, I, like, I feel like we are also probably reeling from the bad taste that the Suliban left us. Oh, yeah. There's actually a third story that kind of is being seeded in here and it's my hope that i think that i'm starting to see this pattern in the episodes is that we get a little taste of what's gonna what the next episode is gonna be about in an episode mm -hmm. so okay in the first episode we got a little taste of uhura and wanted more and then we got an uhura episode and then we wanted and then we had a little bit of of una in there that was interesting and intriguing so we moved forward and mm -hmm. now we have una and toward the denouement of this episode we focus on dr mbenga part of the complication of yeah. this story is that the medical trans the emergency medical transporter has malfunctioned because dr mbenga did not allow it to be updated when the enterprise was at dry dock and pike was hanging out on his horse in montana <laughs> yeah uh, the reason he didn't allow it to be updated is because his daughter who is suffering from a debilitating and you know a fatal disease fatal. is in the pattern buffer where she can be stored indefinitely mm -hmm. i do like the continual crossover of the pattern buffer as a new star trek uh, technology uh, so so yeah. i think that so i'm guessing is my guest that perhaps next episode will be uh mbenga and and mbenga episode so i do have a question because i want to i want to establish this okay. just for our show at least what are we calling this man what are we calling this what man the doctor oh uh does he have a first name? i i don't know but his last name i've always thought his last name was mbenga it's m apostrophe b 
B-E-N-G-A. Yes. So Una calls him Mubinga. He calls himself Mubinga. But Spock calls him Mbinga. And other people call yeah. him Mbinga. And I think Mike calls him that too. I think his name is Mbinga. Oh, so you're saying that between the different pronunciations of his name through the different portray people saying yeah. his name, whether they're the characters or the actors, you're getting at least two different pronunciations. Yes. So I would like to know what pronunciation we are using. Well, there's an apostrophe in his name, so that indicates a glutteral stop. So Mbinga. Mbenga. Yeah, that's how I try to pronounce it. Great. We're on the same page then. I wish the people on Star Trek Strange New Worlds would get on the same page. It's actually, I don't blame them. I blame the Universal Translator. Because <laughs> for some reason it's glitching okay. and it, it makes me hear some people saying Mbenga and some hear people saying Mbenga. Yeah, sometimes I think I hear them say it like without the N. Oh, okay. <laughs> Besides the obvious, who do you think the uh, MVP is? The MVP that I put forth for this episode is Spock. Okay. He basically figured out what was going on with the colonists or what had gone on with the colonists shortly before the colonists and the storm collectively demonstrated to Pike and Spock what was going on. And you? I think I kind of designated two MVPs in the two different story arts. Um, I were calling the... I, I was calling the uh, uh, the colonists plasmanoids. Okay. Since they're they appear to be made out of plasma. Plasmanoids, now. it is. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. I, Title of the episode. Since they saved Pike and Spock from the storm itself, I was saying that they're MVP for down on the gotcha. surface. And um, without, <laughs> ironically, Cadet Uhura taking a nap when she got off of duty. I don't think uh, it might have taken a little longer for um, number one or anybody else to figure out what was going on. Oh, so, so I had to go ahead. kind of give it to Uhura. Interesting. So our choices of MP MVP this week are Spock, the Plasmanoids, or Uhura. That is correct. You are correct. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a backdoor pilot for this episode. Did you find one yourself? I did indeed. Oh, great! I want to hear about yours. I'm very curious. Okay. Well, you know how initially in DS Nine the initiative was to uh, figure out how to get the Bajorans into the Federation. Okay. Along those lines, uh, maybe something like a Star Trek: The Illyrian uh, Initiative. Oh, okay. Oh, I can take it. That's interesting. That's interesting. I already want you to tell me the, the plot line of some of the episodes. We've established that this is a colony, so we would need to figure out their original origin. Sure. I don't know what they're a colony of. Like, are Illyrians a colony of Earth? The reason I ask is because it seems as if no one knew that Una was not human. Yeah. I think the Illyrians are the the people on this planet were colonists of their homeworld. 
wherever the Illyrians come okay. from. Sure, yes. But I was wondering, where Illy- is Illyria a colony of Earth where they took to mm, Janetta? No. Okay. Because oh. it seemed like their genetic code was similar enough that she could masquerade as a human. So I was wondering if maybe yeah. she's, if, if the Illyrians are a human colony that landed on the planet Illyria and have been there for a while. Oh, so they were kind of good augments that Ex- kind of settled on. Exactly. Own. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly that. Oh, I never, I never considered that. She and La'an are mirror images. Like La'an's the mirror universe version of Una. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm not sure if La'an is actually augmented the way she was talking. You know, about I don't think that she is either. I think that she is the progeny of people who were augmented, but I don't think that she is specifically augmented. She may have been, she something may yeah. have come down through genetics, but I believe that's it. By process of reproduction she would be sort of an augment I mean, she could have some augment dna assuming that it's not recessive my understanding with as many augments as there were I, it's almost impossible for anybody from earth to not have some augment dna in them are, are you bringing in material from the fallen rise of continuity and sing or is this enterprise information it is my personal understanding oh, okay. that there was a lot of augments ah. there were you know, several different factions of augments that were vying for power. Oh yes, this is your you. You must have read the Fallen Rise of Continuity and Sing. That's the only place I've. I I've haven't heard read that it. Reference. Maybe I just heard. Okay, maybe I I just heard synopsis gotcha. of it. Gotcha. My door, my backdoor pilot. This episode is Star Trek: Tales from the Pattern Buffer. It's an anthology series, right? Mm. So we go yeah. around to different Starfleet or other Federation installations and we see who they have in their pattern buffer. <laughs> this episode. Oh. Sometimes it's a monster, sometimes it's an angel. <laughs> okay, yeah. That leads right into one of my questions for uh, the episodes. Should we uh, touch on our Q&A? Oh, sure. Okay. One of my questions regarding that was if transporters serve effectively as stasis chambers couldn't they be used for sublight travel so then the question is who came first the transporter or the warp drive because i think the warp drive well, came first so there would be no need to use it, it did, buffers but... for sublight travel because we already had warp drive by then yeah but some of the uh story arcs uh, that, that we've hit upon in Star Trek before are, oh no, the warp is out. Um, how do we get home? We just point. <laughs> just set ourselves adrift. You know, not, and then put ourselves in the pattern yeah, buffer. Just send ourselves adrift and put, yeah, that would have exactly. been an awesome seven seasons of Star Trek Voyager where we're just watching the empty ship tumble through space. <laughs> well, not just Voyager, but but you know other other forms of of that where it's like. You know, or, or they want to get really far. You know, in, in early warp, what if they wanted to get to the Delta Quadrant to actually just go in and explore and legitimately be there, not by accident? I got you. I understand. Which is yeah. like, I, I just think that falling asleep at the wheel seems unwise while you're exploring. Well, that's what, that's what emergency command holograms right. so, so just have the holograms do the exploring <laughs> then and just do it at warp speed. Did you have any questions for the episode? 
I I don't have any questions. I had quite a few. I, uh, if you want me to just go through. Yeah, that. please. Let's more questions. Okay. So, how did Una pass her academy fit her very first academy physical, and every physical after that? Uh huh. Yep. So this goes back to that's why exactly that question. My only my only possible answer to that question in my head for me logically is that she must have human DNA because they draw they've drawn blood from her before. So unless yeah. she's some sort of shapeshifter that can keep her blood in the shape when when you take it away from her, then <laughs> she must have human DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, th that seems to make sense. I I think we could maybe cross that. Yeah. We need a we need a within we our need a question answered like a sound bump like question answered. <laughs> well, there you go, right, right there. <laughs> Let's see if I can add some echo and stuff to it. Question answer. Question answer. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, another question I have is, has SickFay always had a second level? You know, I did notice... I did notice that the SickFay had two levels, and as I'm watching it, I realize... Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, why wouldn't it have two levels? <laughs> like, right, so I could keep my operations or my like intensive care upstairs, or my long-term patients can stay upstairs, and I can use downstairs for like you know the minute clinic. Mm -hmm. You could just have all your contagious patients upstairs and quarantined up there. Oh, on my ship, I'm putting them in the brig. Okay, just that's kidding. me. But sure, just Justin. <laughs> have you another question? I have one, two, three, Great. four more. I hope that we can get some more questions answered. Sure. How come it, as soon as a signal supposedly starts to break up, someone bitches when usually the important parts of whatever is said in the signal that's breaking up gives them the information that they need. Yet no one acts on that information as if Pike they heard annoyed it. the crap out of me today when he was, it was like, hello, this is, take us, need emergency up. And he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, clearly lady dude she just said up. that she needs an emergency beam up i don't know what you heard but aren't you a trained starfleet yeah. captain maybe they needed the linguist was the linguist on board <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's happened ever since the next generation because the linguist at least should have said oh hey chris they need to be beamed up Holmes, like get it together yeah <laughs> you couldn't put that together. stop thinking about your future and your melty face and beam mm -hmm. people up. They said emergency yeah. beam up. Pay attention. I mean, Hello. We go. Yeah, I mean, maybe they just get so used to having perfectly clear signal all the time that they can't cope if any kind of signal breakup at, at all is going on. But you and me today, we have, you know, spotty cell phone signal. And as long as we can get the gist of what's being said. We Speak for yourself, sir. I have no spotty cell phone signal. How dare you? I have T-Mobile 5G. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, you live right downtown in a major metropolitan yeah, area, too, but show, too. I just kidding. <laughs> just huh? um, Full disclosure we are sponsored by T Mobile, bringing you closer, or whatever it is they say. Yeah, no, we have more 5G in more places. Future Magenta Max. Did, did you hear a title of the book that uh, Dr. Mbenga is reading to daughter Mbenga? I didn't catch it. I did catch that it was about the Mercury Stone, though. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were 
doing a, a a switcheroo play on on like the philosopher's stone i think that's what they were talking about because the philosopher's stone turns mercury into gold right the philosopher's stone turns lead into gold i feel like i remember that the philosopher's stone okay. turns several different metals into gold yeah i, I think the whole gist is it yeah you're trying to change anything yeah, into yeah. gold so and it's not the it's not the sorcerer's stone which isn't a thing that doesn't exist i was also wondering if perhaps this is you know an inlay to another story that we'll get further down the line and but you know i wonder every mm. time he wakes her up do they read the book every time he wakes her up because she's got to be like we do the same thing like because for her no time has passed so it's like dude we just we just read this book like every time she comes out we just read we just read this we just read this we just read well, it seems, like yeah. i would be like over it like dead it, it seems like they're reading a chapter at a time and she might have read uh, ahead okay. a little bit perhaps oh okay this makes more sense to me now okay i was thinking they went through the right. whole thing every time why is it possible to delete a log my philosophy about the personal logs has always been that they stay sealed for a certain amount of time after okay. the end of your service period in starfleet oh okay so they, they can go into the archive unless they're needed for like an investigation on what sure, happened to yes. you so <laughs> no need to leave something some some proof of you know the complicity of pike in her personal logs in case you know something does slip yeah. later so the personal oh, logs okay. i believe would go into like a like i think that they did you actually can't you know like microsoft outlook <laughs> now has a feature where you can you can send an email but it doesn't actually send until you go into the thing and like tell it to actually send so that you can send all your emails oh. and fire off an angry one and then you're like well i don't know do i want to take that back or you know correct something that you've done you know you realize you didn't hit send the attachment at, yeah. at the attachment oh i need to go back now you know so this is sort of the same yeah. idea you like maybe someone started playing trombone in the well, middle that... of your log so you just go back and erase real quick and start over mm, okay sure i yeah i guess that makes sense question answered question answered they were making a very poignant point about what the episode was about what the thing was they were trying to hint at and tackle that was a modern day thing but i was wrestling with is there a 21st century direct link being there is. made here with number one and Dr. Umbega and later Pike talking about? There's a definite parallel. Okay. And then there's a potential parallel that I could just be inventing in my head. Which one would you like to hear first? Let's hear your perspective on the definite parallel. So the definite parallel is the inadvisability of discrimination. Because when we shut out those that are other, we lose the value of their innovation. So just by discriminating against them, that that was just what they were saying. Yes. Okay, I did I did so catch if, that. If the you know Illyrians had been given Federation membership, their cure would have been unneeded because we you know would already know what was mm -hmm. going on down there and probably would have resolved it by now if they wanted it resolved. Okay, so there wasn't a specific uh, scientific advancement that we've lost in the twenty. 21st century just because we were ignoring an other science oh no i don't think that's what they're saying i think they're just saying we've lost okay. touch with one another 
Starfleet's experience with the augments to which we're referring mm-hmm. in the episode. Now, there's also the Soliban thing, um, and that has its own you know, set of issues. But with the augments, mm-hmm. as they're referred to in Star Trek with a capital A, we're talking about Khan Union Singh's people. And Khan Union Singh's people were a little bit fascist. Yeah. Well, in the whole so, eugenic war. So I could understand the perspective of Starfleet in saying, we're not going to side with people who are augmented because with that comes the fascism well yeah they've always referenced the fact that with enhanced strength and intelligence comes enhanced ego and other things yeah this is the same as the Nietzscheans in andromeda right where they were all genetically enhanced and because of that they all thought of themselves as superior and perhaps they were but not morally always okay so that was that's part of the the conundrum and i could see why starfleet would want to distance themselves from someone who has that questionable morality of i can make my people better than everybody else it's a better than as opposed to a better with Mm -hmm. okay una is on the side of starfleet would be better with yeah instead of the augment side which is we're better than right Oh, okay. So she's looking at it. We we want to join so we can better each other. Exactly. Mutually. Yes. And the augments wouldn't want to be a part. They would want to dominate and control it. Yeah. Because they're better. They're superior. Right. Which led to the eugenics wars. Right. So this is why Starfleet is a little triggered when you say the word. <laughs> when you say the word augment. Starfleet gets a little bit of its hackles raising. Even if it's something that, ha- like, I'm sure that this report to Starfleet is going to be a complete mess. Because <laughs> Benga has to leave <laughs> stuff out, even... Pike has to leave stuff out, Spock has to, like, everybody has to leave stuff out. Like, when you look at the, when you look at everybody's personal log, there's going to be, like, 256 megabytes of space missing on everybody's log. That's where you just chalk it up to the Ion Storm. I mean, we sent you the files, <laughs> did you get them? Maybe this is the first instance of that Enterprise trope of, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't really make that out. All the times, like, Sulu or, um, you know, Kirk leaving stuff out just blatantly and how, you know, th- that would be frowned upon in the, quote, 24th century today. Um, and that would never be stood for, you know. Yes. Um, which is, I don't think, also true. <laughs> because. <laughs> you think Janeway left some stuff out? What do you think? What do you think her report? Oh no 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 no! We're going to off course. This is Strange New Worlds. Well, Jack, I can think of an, another example, if you'd like to hear it. Oh, you have you have an additional example. Okay. I have a 20, 20th century one, early twentieth century example. According to History Scope on their history of autism, almost a hundred years ago in nineteen twenty four, a woman named Grunya Sukareyev published six reports on children identifying them as autistic. And it took until 2013 for people outside of the Soviet Union to really acknowledge anything she had written. And it's hard to tell today if that was because, you know, she was a woman in a highly male-dominated field, or if that was just because others just didn't realize what she was talking about, that it was autism at the time because she was calling it schizoid psychopathy and not autism or other things. So 
she was well ahead of her time in diagnosing people with an autistic like mindset and she was ignored and people like me could have benefited from her research 20 years before you know i was actually diagnosed you know i could have been identified a lot sooner had people paid attention to what she was saying i see i mean i i'm also wondering if it was partially due to her being a soviet it's likely both I just really think it's amazing that, you know, as early as 1924, we could have had, you know, these advancements. best line was when Una um, zips out of her uniform too and again she's just got the uniform vest and she holds up a glass of whiskey to the camera and looks right at the camera and she goes I can live with it that wasn't Una oh that was, this, that was <laughs> are you sure it was the same thing it was the very same scene yeah I know it? right yeah so it was actually uh, Mbenga in uh, Sick Bay when he says prejudices kept people from helping each other for centuries. To narrow down the best line, I guess I have to throw out throw out the Una line because uh, apparently it didn't happen in this episode. <laughs> I mean, it did. There was there's definitely a parallel to it. The tone of it felt very much the same. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was like, that's why I brought that up. So my Mbenga prejudices, my vote for the best line. What's your vote for the best line? Uh, if I just got one, I would go with my pike line. Tell me you saw that too. All right. So what is your vote for worst line of this episode? One of them I thought of was actually, ironically, my opposite thought of, you know, when Una says delete the log entirely. As and like, worst wait. Line? Yeah, because I'm like, nah, Cisco said it better. <laughs> oh, uh, interesting. Okay, is that your choice for worst line? No, I'm going to eliminate that one. Okay. Um, I thought that Pike's retort to the watch kettle never boils is when he says, It's a pot. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Yeah, I'll give you that too. Because that, okay. So, did you have a rating for this episode? This episode has earned 7,341.2 quadlus. Not my not my 100% favorite favorite episode so far of the three. I think it is my yeah. third favorite episode, but it's only been three episodes. <laughs> so yes. it's, it's I don't know if that's a that's a bad. If it continues to be my least favorite episode as we get more episodes, that'll be a problem with it. But right now, I'm gonna go ahead with the. I feel safe where my where my rating is right now. Okay. Well, ironically, I thought that the star date was a fairly good re reference point for a rating for this episode. 1224.3 watt. Not a fan, huh? You know, I mean, how many times have we seen this episode? <laughs> I mean, there's at least one in each season of each series. It's only it's also Wrath of Khan. Is it? I mean, a little bit. I mean, there's a Wrath of Khan fight in there. 
there's an argue argument about augments and their value in there. There's okay. something mysterious has happened to a to a planet. <laughs> At least this time the planet didn't veer off in, of its course into the course of another planet's orbit, which <laughs> yeah. apparently can happen. Um. So what what's next? Oh, uh, next episode is an episode of Star Trek: Strange New World. It's called Memento Mori. In this episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the crew has to use some sort of unconventional methods to deal with a malevolent force that attacks the Starship Enterprise. A malevolent force? Yes. So, Ooh, uh, a what I've noticed so far about these episodes is that we actually have seen a Strange New World every episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. So far, which I think is great. And I'm wondering if we're going to keep up the pattern because I think that would be awesome to just see yeah. a Strange New World every time because it adds so much to the texture of the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Star Trek, the original series, gave us so many touchstones to touch back on across all the series so that we could, it, like, it helped establish a common framework. You know, it uh -huh. was it was oh, our yeah. it was our it was our news or mythology. When the shows are airing, <laughs> it's the news, mm -hmm. and then after they've aired, it becomes the myth the shared mythology, the construct by which we can examine the universe. Mm. I don't remember what the cool. point of what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let me tell you something. Something, something interesting. Uh, I don't know why this occurs to me. So, season four was it? Season mm -hmm. four, episode six was that was relics i feel like okay so season in also in season four was an episode of the next generation called remember me right um, i'm trying to remember what that was about beverly caught in a warp bubble everybody's disappearing around her oh was that in season four i okay. think so um in uh, season three of star trek discovery episode four is called remember uh forget me not okay and episode four of strange new world is called memento mori Oh, and then of course there's there's Picard episode one that's called Remembrance. Mm -hmm. So these episodes, Remember Me, Forget Me Not, and rem what rem Remember Me, Forget Me Not, and Remembrance, <laughs> all have a very special like hold on my heart. Like they're they're my favorite episodes. So I'm hoping that Memento Mori will also become yeah. one of those episodes, considering it has sort of a related related title. Related to memory and yeah. remembering things. Yes. Okay. Cool. So that's my big hope for this this upcoming week. <laughs> cool. We'll have the we'll have the polls out ASAP, probably before the this episode drops. Cool. I look forward to the results. May the best Klingon win. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Yeah, until next time, stay positive, dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay, supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. 
Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3Bird. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.